Welcome to the Apex Anthologies podcast. I'm your host, Philip Osterday. We know that life and being on mission can be overwhelming. So our prayer is that the Apex Anthologies podcast gives you a moment to breathe, sit at dad's feet, learn a little bit more about Jesus, and let his spirit comfort you. In the next few episodes, we wanted to discuss important themes that we usually miss during the Christmas season. Our culture can make Christmas about a lot of different things, but we know that Christmas really is about how God came to us, Emmanuel. That reality is a mind-blowing, insane, grace-filled story. So today, we're going to talk about God bringing heaven and earth back together. We'll be chatting with Chad Osborne. The Old Testament is a huge chunk of our Bibles, but if we just live in that, like, I just go to heaven story, then what is the point of all that? But to see the, how it's connected to everything, all of that is connected to God renewing his world and, and bringing heaven and earth back together. Mark Eilers, a Region 5 elder. A really ill-formed idea about heaven was that you get saved and then you're done. So it leaves all this opportunity of life without any purpose or meaning, or at least a really weak meaning or purpose, whereas that's just the starting point, not the culmination. And Mark's wife, Joan Eilers who also is on our admin team. I think the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we creating a space where other people can experience heaven, can experience God? Or as followers of Jesus, are we deluding ourselves and thinking we can live for the world and still bring glory to God? A lot of people summarize the Bible story as like, how how can we go to heaven when I die? Um, But the story of God asks a different question, saying, how does heaven come to earth? And uh, not when we die, but from the very beginning of creation itself. So can you guys describe uh, for us just your understanding of a biblical view of heaven and earth? Yeah, I think um, going back to creation, um, we think that, you know, like you you would address like the original um, kind of thought that a lot of us have of, you know, being about us going to heaven. So I think we used to picture creation as, you know, God in the heavens and he created earth and he created and he put us on earth but we kind of keep those spaces separated mm-hmm. but i think uh, um when you read the bible closely you kind of see this this idea of the garden of eden as being this uh, intersection of heaven and earth like these two spaces of god's space and our space and, and they're one mm-hmm. you know you read about uh, god walking in the garden like with the people and, and even even the concept of uh, rest when God rests on the seventh day. It's not just God got tired or he just, <laughs> whatever. But rest, especially in the ancient Near Eastern context, when you, and when you pull out um, what other cultures divine, um, described as their God's resting, uh, it was always connected to temple or, or taking up a residence uh, in, into a space. And so I think when it's talking about God resting, he, he's taking up a residence into what he created. So uh, in summary of all that, I think in the beginning, the, the original uh, way, uh, the original order was um, heaven and earth being like this, this one space where God was with his people. I love what you just said, Chad, but it also makes me mindful of that concept of God forming and filling mm-hmm. every day of creation. And so here he has formed uh, this place that he's inhabited with animals of all kinds, et cetera, but then he creates the consummate creation mm-hmm. in humanity. And he basically is saying, you are my image bearers. Now go mm-hmm. and fill this whole space that I've put you in, fill it with my image. Mm-hmm. 
uh, as you go and multiply. And so that, I, I just love how you pulled that together. Yeah, yes. which that brings to my mind, when you think of the ancient world, where uh, the image word image in the Bible is the word selim, and it's used elsewhere to describe a statue or an idol. And um, well, what did ancient people do with statues? Where did they put them? They put them, they put them in temples, mm-hmm. right? And so, as God puts His image in this garden, um, in this um, this like you, know, you call it a cosmic temple, and He tells them to go and subdue the earth and go fill it. It's you could say it's like this temple expansion pro- project. Like God wants like the borders of this garden to expand mm-hmm. and to and to fill the earth. And so I, I think that's that's really cool because yeah, once again that that kind of gives us more of a purpose of why we're why we're here. Whereas the old story of I go to heaven when I die just it makes this world more of a bus stop mm-hmm. <laughs> where you're just like killing time. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the new story gives us more of a purpose of why we're here. Mm. Yeah, because implied in that is the whole concept that this is not a good place when yeah. we just think we have to escape this world. And God says, mm-hmm. clearly, this is a good place. And mm-hmm. he came to dwell here with his humanity, with his creation. So yeah. it, it's not a biblical view to think mm-hmm. that this all gets, has no cred, if you will, in God's eyes. Yeah, that's that's more Plato, you know, yeah. the, the Greek philosopher Plato, where all the physical stuff is no good and mm-hmm. the whole goal is to escape and become non-physical. Mm-hmm. But it's not yeah, the biblical. A really right. ill-formed mm-hmm. idea about heaven that I had early on was that you get saved mm-hmm. and then you're done. Mm-hmm. So I got fire insurance, I'm good, I'm going mm-hmm. to heaven, I'm going to heaven, mm-hmm. like it's another place. And that then, so you're sort of done. Okay, good, you paid your dues. You, you can kind of do what you want until the bell rings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it and it so it leaves all this opportunity of life without any purpose or meaning, or at least at least a really weak meaning or purpose. Whereas that's just the starting point, mm-hmm. not the culmination. And that was one of the biggest revelations I had when yeah, because it's not a biblical worldview at all. Right, what you were thinking, right? And but I remember it all through my early childhood. It was, mm. you know, I'm good with Jesus, and you know. Beyond that, you know, there's no filling. There's no, there's no representing. Um, yeah, I'm an image bearer, but I didn't even understand that very well. But mm-hmm. yeah, why do you guys think that we had those wrong views of heaven? Like, where do they even come from? I think it's possible that, um, admittedly, theology is hard, <laughs> <laughs> and so in our efforts to make it easy for children, I think Sunday school teachers just kind of <laughs> took mm-hmm. shortcuts. Or yeah. I, I don't know if that's all the way true, but I think like going back to uh, in the West, we're very influenced by Plato. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because truly, there, as far as I understand it, there's no place in Scripture that even talks about going to heaven right. with those kinds mm-hmm. of words. words right. not, that, well, that in a practical view, there. I remember that when I started to become aware of what was going on in church and that we went to church and it was the it was a big sanctuary and we sat in the pews and the very esteemed Reverend Doctor up front mm-hmm. really spoke well and... Uh, Spiced it with good jokes and things, and really, <laughs> and and really spoke eloquently. And I think he was a pretty eloquent sure. deliverer of, of topics. And I was impressed by it. But what what impressed me more is then we would go out and smile at everybody, and get in the cars and run each other over getting out of the parking lot. <laughs> now, granted, it's in Southern California, so maybe things are different there. But, <laughs> but 
it really struck me as, I don't know, seven, eight-year-old, whatever I was, that it seemed so out of place. It didn't mm. seem to mm-hmm. extend beyond the borders mm-hmm. of the church. It just stopped. And it's like, okay, so this is good for an hour on Sunday, but once you're in your car, all bets are off. You can do what you want. Mm-hmm. So clearly things have gone wrong <laughs> uh, <laughs> with the fall. So uh, how did the fall... You mean fall- because of traffic in Southern California? Yeah, because of the, <laughs> the traffic, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so how did the fall corrupt the unity of heaven and earth? Yeah, uh, with God's space and human space overlapping, um, we now have this situation where humanity and God, um, we, we read about this separation that happens mm-hmm. where um, in, it's described in Genesis 3 as not only is there the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is forbidden, right, for people to eat on, and that's, of course, the, the whole choice that they made, um, but there's also the tree of life, mm-hmm. which... Um, you know, the, the text says that God said, um, it, you know, it wouldn't be good if man to stick around the garden lest he eat of the tree of life and live forever. In other words, live forever in a sinful, uh, broken condition. And so God puts these uh, creatures called uh, cherubim <laughs> to guard the garden. Don't think Hallmark card little little babies. <laughs> We're talking, talking like winged bulls, winged lions, these fierce creatures. And it talks about this like flashing mm-hmm. sword that's guarding the entrance. And so that that's all language to indicate that wherever humanity is now, we're, we're away from, um, we're away from God, um, in the way that we once were mm. in the sense that, um, God's presence was there for, for blessing and for goodness. And, but because now sin entering the world and corrupting us, um, we can't just waltz into God's presence because mm. God is holy. Mm. Um, and so now there, there's work to be done, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and that's the, the progression, the progression of the story. So the basically the big story that the rest of the Old Testament um, asks and the New Testament, you know, gives full clarity to is how do we get back? Mm-hmm. How do we get back to the garden with access to not only the tree of life, but um, you know, the the, pres- the life giving presence of God. Mm. One limiting factor God told us in the beginning was that we should not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that he would retain that. And he didn't say we couldn't have from the tree of life at that point. Mm -hmm. That was still okay. Mm -hmm. It was only when we listened to the deceiver Mm. and made a choice to make our own choices, Mm -hmm. that it was about my choice, not about obedience, that we then left his plan and and then like you said we're in sin then and that's when he put the tree of life off limits because he cared for us enough not to allow us to have to fall into that for forever Mm -hmm. so that's when the tree of life became off limits for us Mm. and the brokenness that has come about has just Snowballed. So there's a sense that banishment seems harsh, but it's also, it, it, from taken from that view, it's actually a grace mm-hmm. uh, until until things can become remedied. Mm. You, you, you guys have to be away from here. Yeah, mm. and he had already made it clear he had a remedy. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he does. There he was gives, a plan in place. He made the statement. Before they have to leave, he, gives, mm-hmm. he says there's a remedy. He, yeah. Mm. Foreshadowed the whole seemingly defeat and sad it's just not a plan that most of us would come up with 
Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no, not, <laughs> not at all. It's interesting. We will, we will be doing podcasts on both the image of God and the, the promised seed. So we're, it's, there, there's, no, there's no avoiding like having all these cool uh, themes overlap. Yeah. So yeah. As image bearers, we were meant to like rule, mm -hmm. um, to represent God's rule, to co-rule with God. Um, but it seems that what happens is that when we listen to the voice of the serpent, we give that authority away. And so that's why uh, elsewhere in scripture, we read about, you know, um, this serpent, this the, um, Satan being described as the ruler, the God of this world, the, mm -hmm. the prince of the power, the ruler of the heirs. So what seems to happen is that we give that authority away. And so now that this dark, this dark force is now um, in rule over our space. And so that when you ask like, so what happened? You know, <laughs> why is the world the way that it is? Yeah. Why is there traffic in Southern California? <laughs> why is 75 always under construction? Yeah. No, I mean, we, we can go all day on the effects of the fall, but that's, that's wise because mm -hmm. we were meant to reflect, reflect God's rule, but we no longer do that accurately. Mm. And, um, and I think that's why, you know, uh, some have talked about the, um, you know, heaven and earth are once unified as one space, but like the fall can be described as like this divorce mm. between those spaces mm. and, and divorce is painful. Mm. Yeah. And I think as part of the fall too, it's good to remember that we see, we could use the Tower of Babel, the mm. Tower of Babylon, mm -hmm. if as mm -hmm. one example of man continually trying to usurp God's rightful place. Right. So he invited us into co-ruling, co-regency mm -hmm. with him. And we said, no, we, we want it for ourselves. Yeah, forget the co-part. Yeah. <laughs> we just want to rule. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. what's been going on ever since. Exactly. Mm -hmm. If I were a person just figuring all this out as we're listening to this podcast, mm -hmm. I think uh, my initial thought would be like, I feel like God's presence is somewhere uh, after the fall. So what's going on? Mm -hmm. Like, where's the, like, how is God reuniting heaven and earth then? Or is that even happening? Yeah. yeah, it's amazing when you read the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, you see God appearing uh, to various people at various times and even saying, I'm filling such a person with my spirit, mm -hmm. with my presence. Um, so he all along was still working with humanity, coming to humanity in various ways to reveal that plan we talked about back from the garden. Mm. Um, you think about Jacob and his dream, and, mm -hmm. and even before that, God's appearance and conversations with Abram and then uh, who became known as Abraham. So we see God all along, and then, of course, as time goes on and after the king's are appointed to represent God and they fall down. And then you've got the prophets coming and trying to woo the people back to the Lord and to holy living. And God is appearing to them in a multitude of ways. And, but then we go back to the temple picture and God ordained a temple space. He, he outlined how it should be built and actually it was built to reflect the garden. Mm -hmm. And so God was saying, this is the place where my people can meet with me. Mm. And, and so he said, I'm going to fill this space. He showed it with a pillar of fire and cloud, which is always kind of a sign of God coming yeah. in, in his, um, yeah, in his power and his might, really. Mm -hmm. But we see that with the temple, mm -hmm. for sure. He's opening it up to more, more than just an individual at any given time. He's saying, my people can come here to meet with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the temple is like kind of like a, a scale model of the garden mm -hmm. itself. Um, and, that, and that's clear with even like the Im the imagery that was given, and so, but so it's a bit of a 
a glimpse a glimpse of the past, but also a glimpse of the future. Mm. Um, you know, it's here you, yeah, you can be with God in a way, but in a way that is, um, I don't know, it'll one day be more complete, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Mm. Um, you won't have to go through the priests and, mm. and everything. And of course, then as time goes on, we, we have all those prophetic words about how that temple will be perfected, how God's presence will be restored mm. to humanity. And we know then when Jesus comes, mm. we have all those allusions to Jesus himself being the temple. Mm. Um, I mean, the Gospel of John opens with the word became flesh and dwelt with us. Mm. And that, that whole concept there is tabernacle, which mm. is goes back to the earliest form of mm-hmm. the, te- the temple in the wilderness when God showed Moses how to build this tabernacle. Mm-hmm where he would dwell. So, yeah, I think we see it in Jesus then, the fulfillment of that picture. John, John 1 and 2 are full of it. Like, <laughs> like uh, the, the temple, by it, I mean the temple. <laughs> you got to be careful how I say that. John 1 and 2 are full of tem- temple imagery with, uh, like, like Joan said, uh, the word became flesh and, t- and tabernacled among us is one way you could read that. Hmm. Um, and she also alluded to Jacob's dream. Um, uh, and, and Jesus says that, like that whole Jacob has his dream about angels ascending mm-hmm. and descending on this like ladder or this staircase between heaven and earth. Well, Jesus says, you know, uh, in so many words that I am that place. Like mm-hmm. you'll you'll see angel, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, mm-hmm. saying like I am that bridge. Like I am yeah. the overlap, the meeting space of heaven and earth. Kind of mm-hmm. identifying himself as a type of temple. Mm-hmm. But immediately going on to John chapter 2, where Jesus says, um, is in the temple, and he says, destroy this temple, and I will rebuild it in three days. And everyone's thinking, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Destroying a temple that took us decades to build and, mm-hmm. and rebuilding it, right? It, well, and of course, John explicitly points out that Jesus was talking about his body, mm-hmm. what was going to happen through his crucifixion and subsequent resurrection. Yeah. Um, so Jesus really is that, you know... Um, the overlap of heaven and earth. He's he's fully human, fully divine, mm-hmm. in, in, in showing what life was was meant to look like. Mm. Yeah, I think too we we see other places in the Old Testament where God was opening humanity's eyes to see that very space that mm. we're talking about. You think about Elisha and yeah. when his servant comes in a panic about the army coming against them and. And Elisha prays, God, open the eyes of my servant that he can see the mm. vast armies of mm. the Lord arrayed around them. And uh, so you see that from time to time that God wants us to understand there is an unspe- unseen real around us. I think it's C.S. Lewis who talks about the unsubstantial... Real. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I forget the quote right now. It's really powerful. But this, the unseen real is what's real to us. Mm. And we don't often have eyes to see that. Mm. Yeah, I used to think of heaven almost almost kind of in a, in a geographic sense, mm. like a place you could take a rocket to. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like almost, uh, you know, in the 50s when the Russians uh, put astronauts and cosmonauts in space. Um, the, one of them came back and mm. reported that I, I didn't see God right out mm-hmm. in space. But of course, C.S. Speaking of C.S. Lewis, he compared that to uh, Shakespeare. Uh, he compared that to like uh, one of the characters, Othello, going to his attic and saying, "There's no Shakespeare." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, the whole point is like thinking of heaven as this different dimension. 
it's almost like instead of thinking of, of it as like way up there, it's almost like it's almost like there's like this invisible curtain or this invisible veil between our space and God's space. But every now and then, mm-hmm. something from that side will peek through. Mm. Or like with um, was it Elijah, Elisha, Elisha, Eli- <laughs> with Elisha's servant, it's almost like he was given access to the other side of the veil. Mm. Yeah, um, I heard a good analogy about this just recently. You know, sometimes you go to the theater mm-hmm. and they have this tr- semi. I don't know how to describe it, a a curtain that you can actually see through kind of. You can't see through it when the lights are off behind the Mm -hmm. curtain. Mm -hmm. But when the lights on this side go down and the lights on the stage come up, you can see clearly what's behind the curtain. And that's the kind of thing I think we are contending Mm. with. It's just like Daniel when he was praying for God's help. And Mm. and then the archangel Michael comes and he says, you know... yeah. I was delayed because we were wrestling mm. with these principalities mm-hmm. and yeah. powers and Behind the heavenlies, the veil. and that's yeah. what we don't see. Right. Um, yeah, but the, it's top, the, the way it's referred to is the seemingly substantial that's versus the, the unseen real. Yeah. So that that gives you the concept that because I struggle with this a lot, you know, I don't see it, I don't feel it, it's not here, it, it's not real. Yet, mm-hmm. then in the midst of whatever's going on, something from nowhere. God, yeah. all of a sudden appears out of nowhere, seemingly. Yeah. And and so it seems substantial, but the unseen real is is the is the truth. Mm. And it seems to be veiled, especially mm. to our eyes as we walk along and, and think and, and deal with things on an earthly horizontal plane. But mm-hmm. when we do get this opportunity, and, and I think that gives us a clue as to how heaven and earth will come back. It's not that we travel oft, like you said, like the, mm-hmm. I always thought, gee, we'd go up to heaven. Let's <laughs> transport. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it won't be, if it's seemingly substantial in the unseen real, that maybe it's right there. Mm-hmm. And I that, think it is, yeah. And that this gauzy, ephemeral curtain is removed from our vision mm. and it's right there all along. And maybe Eden is right here. Mm-hmm. Or heaven is here, we just don't. We're just not in a place to see it properly. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. we were talking about that with Jesus. Jesus being like the 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 picture of the temple, and now incarnate among us, inaugurating this kingdom rule and reign, where the curtain mm-hmm. will ultimately be pulled back. Mm-hmm. But I think about just Jesus with the paralyzed man that the friends, you know, yeah. dug a hole through the roof to lower him down mm-hmm. for Jesus' healing. <clears throat> The seemingly substantial there was his paralysis, Mm -hmm. and that's how he likely saw himself and all the people around him. But these friends saw the unseen real, and they brought him to this healer, to Mm -hmm. Jesus, and that was the kingdom breaking into that man's life, the healing that came there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's almost like in those instances where Jesus does something that blows all of our minds, it's it's like the the veil's peeled back. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. But it, but in the life of that person, it stays. We've seen that even in our house church with an individual who was coming to house church and kind of nodding their head and, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm in and I get it. <laughs> and you could tell they're like, they are just not bought into this at mm-hmm. all. And, and disaster struck mm-hmm. is that his sin created a, um, a divorce, mm-hmm. I mean, a rapid separation and divorce. And um, it crushed him. And, and the pressure of that pain 
was so great that it broke down his resistance to what God was trying to do in his life all along. Hmm. And and he, he surrendered, I guess is the best way to put it, is that he <laughs> surrendered to this and bought in and said, I've been broken, I've been wrong, I've been sinful, and I have nobody to blame within this but myself. Mm. You know, forgive me. And and it was dramatic because he basically lost it in the middle of house church. Mm. And and in losing it, it's that it's that thing. When you lose your life you find it. Mm-hmm. Because he's he's just transformed now mm. and alive and in Christ and, and actually ministering to others. And it's just been a, a remarkable transformation of a life mm. through um, the, the pressure of the brokenness finally breaking down his resistance mm-hmm. and, 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 and accepting what's been there all along, just like all of us in humanity. Mm. Yeah. I'm thinking too, going back to Chad's concept about us being co-rulers with God, you know, we, we haven't talked yet about how Jesus then makes us uh, the new new humanity, yeah. if you will, mm-hmm. a part of that, uh, of heaven breaking into earth. Mm-hmm. But in this case, with this particular uh, young man, you know, we got to be instruments in God's hand mm-hmm. to help him to that place of mm-hmm. yielding his life, trusting the Lord no matter what happened and how bad it was getting, that God nevertheless had a plan to redeem it. And mm-hmm. um, and so I think that's an important concept that comes through Christ, that we are invited back into that. Well, we never lost the co-ruling thing, mm-hmm. but we were doing it in a sinful way. Now we're invited mm-hmm. back into ruling just like Christ mm-hmm. with the Father. Um, and being instruments of kingdom of heaven on earth, really. Mm-hmm. The kingdom mm-hmm. of God is heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. So we saw that with this young man. I think an important aspect of this whole conversation, um, what eventually is revealed in the, in the, in the scripture is uh, just the resurrection, mm-hmm. you know, the resurrection mm-hmm. of Jesus. Um, because one of the consequences of the, the separation of heaven and earth um, is is of course in this side of things death. Mm. You know, death was not part of the original plan. You know, like you know, God's essence is life, and He's the giver of life. And um, because of sin, we now experience a world of death. But through Jesus coming, <clears throat> His His death, you know, uh, um, taking the sins upon Himself. But but in rising from the grave, He's like it's like the announcement that like death has no more. Death doesn't have po- absolute power over humanity anymore. Mm. Um, because a human in Jesus has overcome death, mm. um, but of course by the you know the power of the Spirit, and so and so now uh, post resurrection, there's this there's this interesting um, uh, passage of scripture. Is I think it's uh, I don't want to reference it because I might get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say it's John twenty, but I might be off. Um, I think talk, it is. <laughs> it talks about Jesus breathes on his disciples and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and um, many comment on how that goes back to the creation of the first man where God breathes life into man. Mm-hmm. And so now we have this case where, you know, Jesus is breathing new life, breathing his spirit into uh, people who are lifeless because of sin. Mm. Um, and so that's, you can say it. So now like new humanity begins. We have this like second go at it to where we can more accurate, accurately rule the way mm. that 
mm-hmm. God wants to rule. And so also with resurrection though is, I mean, that's, that's like the whole goal for everything is, mm-hmm. the, um, is for us and ourselves to receive resurrection. Once again, it's not about us going to heaven and just f- floating around as bodiless souls, but no, we will receive resurrection of our bodies. Now, <laughs> that, that gets into all sorts of questions <laughs> about like, what if I was like, cremated or, you know, yeah. ground to dust somehow. <laughs> there, there's continuity there somehow, you know, God can, God can do that. So there, there's continuity, but there's also this hint of like something beyond and something new and, and, and better, but it's, but it's resurrection. Yeah. And so the resurrection of Jesus is the beginning of this new creation of this rejoining of heaven and earth that God has always intended to bring about. Mm. Yeah. So if I'm going to summarize everything so far, we have heaven and earth together <laughs> mm-hmm. and then the fall happens and it separates. Um, but we have little hints of God's presence all throughout mm-hmm. the old Testament. And then we see Jesus is the fulfillment of, you know, heaven and earth being together. Uh, but suddenly Jesus is ascending <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and he leaves, but he gives us his spirit. So then what's the next part of the story? I guess what what happens after that? We uh, we I guess we kind of talked about it a little bit about how we are bringing heaven to earth, in a sense. Well, I can answer that as that? part of this scripture that you were looking for yeah. is in John twenty um, twenty two. It says, "And when he had said this, he breathed on them." So that's the rock, the breath of mm, God. Yes. Said to them, "Receive the Holy Spirit, and if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld." So it, it suggests to me is that then we have received power in the form of the Spirit to go out and to do these things. It says, if you forgive sins of any, they are forgiven them. So then in my action to forgive somebody, there's a tiny little God space mm-hmm. that's created at that moment for that, for that tiny millimeter of movement from <laughs> where we've been towards the restoration of all of creation. Mm -hmm. So if we go back to that picture again of temple, you know, we trace that through the Old Testament and we said Jesus came as that dwelling place uh, of God's presence in our midst. And then like you're saying, Philip, after he died, of course, as we know, paying the price for this, these eons of sinful human Mm -hmm. nature having, trying to have our way, Jesus paid that price. Again, he's the he's like the the unblemished lamb in the temple. That sacrifice for sin has been paid. Then if you think about it, when he first called his disciples back long before, you know, 3 years before his death, what did he say? I will make you fishers of men. Mm-hmm. That last scene in John post-resurrection is where he meets them at the Sea of Galilee Mm -hmm. and they are back out on the lake fishing, you know, because their Mm -hmm. savior, they've seen him post-resurrection, but they still are confused about what's happening. (laughs) Let's go fishing. Yeah, so what happens? Jesus appears on the shore Mm -hmm. and he says, hey, how's the fishing going out there, guys? And, you know, they've been fishing and they haven't had any success. And he says, cast your net on the right side. And what happens? They come in, as I understand it, where it says 153 fish, I think that represents the nations. Mm. That's what I've heard anyway. So basically, he is, again, affirming this call for them to be fishers of men, to be Mm. part of his kingdom 
work on earth. And, and then that, of course, extends to all of us as followers of Jesus. He makes that clear in the Gospel mm. of John mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Well, then later on in Acts, we, see, we have this um, interesting account of, of Pentecost mm. where um, there's... <laughs> is this guy that's tongues of fire above their heads? I, it's, it's such an interesting uh, picture, I think. Tongues of fire, you know. Um, but of course, as, as Joan alluded to before, um, a pillar of fire was always a um, symbolic of the presence of God. And so we understand Pentecost now is somehow like this indwelling of the spirit um, of now God in his people. And um, so... Acts really is about like the new temple of God is His people mm-hmm. as His the, as the dwelling place of God uh, as of God's Spirit is now His people and Paul picks up on this especially in like First Corinthians like in chapter mm-hmm. six that the dwelling place of God the, the temple is now the collective body mm-hmm. of Christ mm-hmm. and so now we we once again take up this mantle of this like a temple expansion pro, uh, project mm-hmm. of. Um, of making disciples who will be spirit-filled disciples. Yeah, Paul is quoting there from all those things we talked about in the Old Testament. He's, it says that we are the temple of the living God and God will dwell in us and walk among us mm. and I will be their God and they will be my people. I mean, he's saying the same thing he's been saying mm-hmm. forever to his people. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, in Ephesians 2, where Paul is writing about the power of the gospel to save us when we were yet far from God, going back to that disordered creation we were talking about. It says he was, he was saving us to make us his people who are being built together in a holy temple, into a holy temple in the Lord, the dwelling of God by the Spirit, like Chad just said, the Spirit coming at Pentecost. And it goes on to say, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. And that's how we get mm. to live out heaven on earth now. That's, mm. that's our calling. Mm-hmm. I think uh, growing up, uh, one of the misunderstandings that I had was just thinking like, okay, after the fall, everything's awful. Therefore, like God's going to destroy everything because mm. of just mm. how bad it is. So... Uh, from this conversation, how does that kind of, that thought process not work? <laughs> how does, that, how does that fit in? Yeah. Second uh, Peter 3 verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and then the heavenly bodies will be burnt up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Now, where there where it says the heavenly bodies will be burnt up, I, I think there's actually a questioning of, in terms of like the actual Greek that's there, mm-hmm. which says that the earlier manuscripts um, actually talk about it, the, the Greek word there is actually um, will be found. Mm. Instead of burnt up, will be found. So the, in other words, the whole point is, well, ha- well, what happens when you know a fire happens is things get exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's, and so fire, especially in, in Peter's letters, is often uh, a purification kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, as well as just showing, like, just revealing mm-hmm. what has gone on. And so it's not so much this judgment of like, the earth is just going to burn up and, and fade away and be done with, but rather, um, I think a, a, a better way to think of it is um, this world will be not destroyed, but rather renewed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Romans eight um, picks up on. 
mm-hmm. where um, Romans 8.21 says, the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption. I think that's a good way of phrasing the divorce of heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Mm. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly await for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Um, and so I think all of that points to the, what we've been talking about, the redemption of our bodies being like our, our resurrection, our, us no longer living in this frail state of this corrupted creation, but rather we're waiting for ourselves and creation to be fully renewed mm. um, where we get to live with God. Yeah. yeah, and I think all the prophets allude to that. Yeah. You have that vision of the that day that's coming when God will make all things mm-hmm. new, not mm-hmm. just us with our new bodies, but the entire creation will yeah. be ultimately renewed yeah. and made whole again. And that's what the creation is groaning for now. Yeah. Mm. Isaiah has several passages yeah. about that. Yeah, and Ezekiel has a lot on mm-hmm. that. Habakkuk, Micah, I think they all allude to that coming yep. day. Mm. But um, there will be judgment associated with it. Sure. The scripture's clear about that. But there's also this beautiful completion, consummation of all that God mm-hmm. ordained from the very beginning, mm-hmm. coming into being. And I think the beautiful thing is that as his... As Jesus' followers, as the people of God, we get to be, like we were saying earlier, instruments of that recreation, Mm -hmm. renovation, restoration in people's Mm -hmm. lives, the transformation, Chad, you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are the good works God has prepared for us. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, though, um, we live in what is usually people call the already but not yet. Mm -hmm. Mm Because uh, you know, and, and Paul uses this language a lot of like, yeah, no, your your citizenship is this this kind of heavenly kind of thing. Not that you're up there or whatever, but like <laughs> you you are with God in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you are a new creation, but yet at the same time, new creation hasn't fully happened yet to where we're like fully with God and all things are renewed. So there's a there's a tension there of the kingdom being inaugurated mm-hmm. and that kingdom reality being here, but we're still kind of waiting for it to be full on. Mm-hmm. Like the one of the uh, illustrations I often use uh, in this is just knowing people who have adopted children. Mm-hmm. There's like there's like a day where the like the state will mandate saying like, okay, yeah, this is your child, but there's still like this period between that and when the child actually officially comes to live with you. And mm-hmm. so there, there is that kind of period in between. So, or, or like I think of um, someone being in prison. You have your release date. So you're you're free, but not yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I think going back to what Mark was saying earlier about how we live all this out. If we see ourselves as merely the beneficiaries of what Jesus has done, we fail to recognize this uh, renewed mm. calling on our lives as image bearers of of God as his ambassadors, as his agents for mm. this kingdom mm-hmm. transformation, this heaven on earth mm-hmm. uh, being lived out every day. As we start to wrap up, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you guys is what are some resources or scripture passages that you'd really suggest? I mean, we've obviously, we've talked a lot about scripture <laughs> throughout this, but what are some maybe some specific ones or resources that you guys would recommend to figure this out? A little bit more, dive in deeper. Oh, read all the Romans eight, mm. for sure. 
Um, and of course, I think Revelation 21 is the other one that comes to mind, especially the first four verses. Hmm. Yeah, you know, we all would say the whole Bible because <laughs> the whole story is there. It is the big, yeah, it is it, the one It's big such story. a huge story, yeah. But Ezekiel yeah. 36 and 37, that's mm -hmm. a vision of all that, that God is doing. I think uh, for me, a really transformative moment came years ago when Jason Zastro introduced us to the Bible Project's Heaven and Earth video. Mm -hmm. And since then, they've also put out a study guide on mm -hmm. heaven and earth, which is a great way of seeing these countless connecting points mm -hmm. between God's story and what we are living out today mm -hmm. uh, and what God's been doing all these thousands of years. So I think that's, that's powerful. It really yep. gives you new lenses of how to read almost mm -hmm. every passage, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. so. It really does. The the thing that I think you've alluded to, too, is we, we sort of joked about, we'll read the whole Bible. And, and certainly we could do nothing but endorse that heavily. Yeah, we do. But, but the thing that really did begin to change a lot of things for me is when we began this, this journey was to realize that it's one story. It's one whole story. Because mm. you hear about yeah. these different books and these different chapters, it's all divided up, and how they get it together, and who was the mm. editor, and how this work, mm -hmm. and you know all those questions about the Bible. But... The truth of the matter is that it is one continuous story mm -hmm. about what God is doing and has done. Mm -hmm. And and to and to try and tackle that so that you can tell it to yourself, perhaps first and then to others, is one complete story where his story is our story. We just play a tiny role in it, how those two can connect mm -hmm. when we begin to talk to people. So we hear about brokenness in our lives or other lives. We, we, as we see the full arc of the story of the Bible, of God's creation and then the fall, and then th this tedious time of redemption and then full restoration, we sometimes can then see how this brokenness or situation intersects with the full story of God. And that gives us an inroad to begin to connect our tiny stories or problems or brokenness mm -hmm. with the whole arc of the story of God. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of really good connector. The the book that it comes to mind for me is The True Story of the Whole mm -hmm. World, which is a small book by Goheen. Goheen and Craig Bartholomew. Yes. Michael Goheen. And and there's another one called Epic, and I don't know the author of that one. Is that, um, oh, John I Eldridge? I think, I think so. I think he wrote that. Um, I know it's a... It's got a red cover. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Leslie Newbigin wrote A Walk Through the Bible. I, th I think that's what it's called. But the, uh, but. But, but the idea is in a very short period of time to be able to get the full, not just six words or eight words, although that's helpful as a structure. <laughs> yeah. that, that's valuable. I don't want to play that down. But, but in, in the 20-minute the sort of place mm -hmm. where you don't leave... You don't leave the major thoughts out, but you don't go into all the details because we, all of us know all these stories about David and Goliath and mm -hmm. you know Dan, Daniel in the lion's den, and we remember those. Mm -hmm. And they, I think they're all they were all originally in the original language in flannel. I think. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I used to speak flannel. Yeah, I used to speak flannel, <laughs> and uh, and and they're they're worthy and unto themselves, but they never were attached. Mm -hmm. yeah. They never. When I grew up, because I grew up with flannel graphs, yep. and I knew the stories, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Cool!" And then, mm -hmm. but it was never attached to anything. Yeah, there was no story arc of the Bible, and and so 
finding a resource or rehearsing it so that you know the whole story in four words, in six words, but also in many paragraphs, several yeah. paragraphs, mm-hmm. has a value to hang the whole story on. Because I, I do better when I see the whole thing and then look into it. I know mm-hmm. others are... Mm. you know, small and to big. That's yeah. that's great. Mm. Mark, what you're saying is so good. And it makes me think of like, if we live in that story of, um, I, I just go to heaven when I die, then, 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 then we have to ask ourselves, well, what's the point of Abraham? Mm. Like he just, Abraham just becomes like a good moral, well, well <laughs> a moral example for us. But if we looked at Abraham as a moral example, then, mm. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> um, good luck, uh, not lying to people and training your <laughs> wife for, yeah. Um, but no, like what, what does like, I mean, the Old Testament is a huge chunk of our Bibles, but if we just live in that, like, I just go to heaven story, then what is the point of all that? Mm-hmm. Like, but, but to see the, how it's connected to everything, all of that is connected to God renewing his world and, and bringing heaven and earth back together. And if I can do a quick plug, Mark <laughs> talks about like resources to tell the whole story. That's kind of what we're working on right now mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with uh, coming up with uh, material we call foundations. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, um, me, Jason, and some others have been, at Apex have been working on this resource that we hope to release early next year. So, mm. this, The book I have, the book I was referring to is called Epic Colon, The Storyline of the Bible by James L. Nicodem and Phil Vischer. So if, if I can suggest too, I think as we you know, draw this to a close, it's important to ask ourselves, what, what does this matter? Yeah, so you know, what? How do yeah. we go forward? And um, I think about Paul Tripp, who talks about how God mm. is always at work in the routine and the mundane of everyday life. Mm, yeah. yes, and yes, it, yes. Our, I think the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we creating a space where other people can experience mm. heaven, can experience God? Um, are or as followers of Jesus, are we deluding ourselves and thinking we can live for the world and still bring glory to God? Um, when the psalmist talks about the whole earth will be full of the glory of the Lord, we're, we're the agents for that. Mm. And are we really living according to that calling? Jesus called us out to do that. He said, I've taught you and you will, the students will go out and do great things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's trying to convince us and to expand upon what you said about Paul David Tripp is I remember really distinctly him changing the way I looked at everything. He says, you know, life is is really about the mundane. It's really not mm. the fire. You would think it's, oh, I got married or I came to mm. Christ and I went to the school or I did this. It's really in the 10,000 little things we do every day mm. that can make a difference. Mm. And, and in mm. each one of those choices, we get an opportunity to reflect you know, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of self. So if heaven is God's space and we are where God dwells now, then we are the place where people can meet God mm-hmm. and experience heaven. I know we're probably getting to the end of it, but I'd like to talk, I mean, we're releasing this around Christmas time, mm-hmm. as I understand. And um, thinking about heaven and earth, you're almost wondering, like, what does it have to do with Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think th- there are several ways. I mean, first of all, we talked about like the importance of Jesus coming and embodying embodying that idea of heaven and earth coming together. I think, um, I think as I as I think about Christmas, especially in our culture, yeah, yeah, there's hangups about it. Like, there's materialism and there's all sorts of other junk that can get in the way. But 
I mean, when you think about it, is there another time of the year that is so so involving your senses? Hmm. You know, the things that you touch, the things that you see, the things that you taste and smell, and and, and so on. Um, and, and I mean, Christmas is, is Christmas invades your senses mm-hmm. with the lights and with just warm drinks and <laughs> and furry fuzzy things that you might pick up <laughs> mittens and all that stuff. I don't know. I I think that um, this topic of heaven and earth is a celebration of the physical world that God created mm-hmm. because I think once again going to the old story we think of it as non physical but no it's totally physical mm-hmm. and Christmas is a celebration of th- that God loved His physical world so much that He sent His Son to restore it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know I I know I in my life have have kept Christmas and, the, and all that comes with it at arm's length until more recently to where I see now the incarnation is when God became physical mm-hmm. because he loves his physical world. And so not letting those things distract me, but like using almost those things as now a means to praise God. As we talked about, if you'd like some more resources on heaven and earth, check out the Bible Projects video called Heaven and Earth. If you'd like to understand the Bible as a big story, take a look at James L. Nicodem's book called Epic, the storyline of the Bible. Also, stay tuned for Apex's resource called Foundations that we're planning on releasing in 2019. Apex's mission is to make and multiply disciples with the gospel of Jesus Christ through the power of the Spirit. We envision God using every Apexer to join his disciple-making movement in reaching the greater Dayton area and unreached people groups around the world. If you'd like to learn more about us, go to apexcommunity.org. If you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure to subscribe. Also, for more stories and future episodes, visit apexanthologies.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Apex Community. By the way, it would be super helpful if you rated our podcast. That helps us show up on the search feed and gives us a chance for new listeners. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at podcast at apexcommunity.org. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. See you next week.